MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, May 29th, 2020. Today, Governor Cuomo signs an executive order allowing businesses to refuse entry to people without masks. Meanwhile, businesses in Texas vow to refuse service to people with masks. France bans the use of hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of COVID-19. Pence's chief of staff has glaring financial conflicts of interest. Trump signs an executive order to gag Twitter. The White House is refusing to release summer economic projections as unemployment claims top 40 million. Republicans in Pennsylvania knowingly endanger colleagues and covered it up. And Trump retweets a video saying the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. Good. I fixed my license thing today, so I went to the DMV and got that all done, and uh, yay. Good. Did they have social distancing and all that, and everything felt safe and clean? Yeah, absolutely. It was very, like... It was a long wait outside, but it was very distanced. There was like a security guard going up and down the line, making sure that people were distanced and stuff. And they're really strict about masks. And yeah, it felt, it was great. Good. I don't know if I'd say great. <laughs> I'm like, let me take <laughs> it's that still back. still the DMV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, it could have been a lot worse. Yes. And they were just like really helpful, which was cool. Did you go to... I went to the one in Hillcrest. Normal Street, yeah. On Normal Street, yeah. And But uh, one of the guys, he was like... I finished uh, filling out a form and I said, okay, you said I just go wait over there, right? And he's like, no, you have to come get a number from me. Otherwise, you'll be sitting in the DMV all day and get nowhere, which is hell. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sucks. And he's like, yeah, that's my life. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Welcome to my world. Welcome yeah. to my planet. Yeah, it was funny. Oh, man. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad that you got the DMV out of the way. That is... Me too. Uh, no fun. Uh, but we do have a lot of really, really tough breaking breaking news. In fact, breaking right now, the Hennepin County attorney, uh, Freeman, gave a press conference just about an hour ago uh, regarding... Um, what's going on in Minneapolis. He said the video is graphic and horrific and terrible and no person should do that. But my job in the end is to prove that he violated a criminal statute. And there's other evidence that does not support a criminal charge. I will not rush to justice. And I can't figure out, first of all, fuck off. Second of all, what in the hell is he doing discussing the details of an investigation? Is he trying to taint the grand jury? I mean, the grand jury decides whether there will be charges filed. And it's usually the attorney general or uh, that, that will come in and give instructions to the grand jury. Is this guy Freeman, the Hennepin County attorney, going to go and talk to the grand jury and, and bring his biased, bullshit, systematic racism ass crap in there with him and, and like fuck with this grand jury? If they don't return indictments on this, I don't. I just don't even understand. And now all four cops have uh, taken the Fifth Amendment right to not self-incriminate. Um, and 
and the governor has activated the National Guard. Um, there are protests and rallies scheduled for this evening in Minneapolis, uh, and I don't think that the Hennepin County attorney did did the city any favors today with his announcement. I don't even understand what the purpose of that was. First of all, it's bullshit. Second of all, why 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 would you do that? You know, it's just mm-hmm. astounding what's happening. I've you know I've seen the video nine minutes of blocking someone's airway. I don't understand how that's in any realm um, a, a technique that cops are taught. Uh, and if the, if these were if these were any four other people, they would be in jail right now without bail, awaiting arraignment. So we'll keep you posted on on the story as it develops. But I'm extremely I I'm speechless. Yeah. So are they in the process of the grand as far as the grand jury is concerned? You said it's the AG that will have to initiate. That, or how does that process look? I don't know how it looks specifically in Minneapolis or Hennepin County. Yeah. Uh, I only am really familiar with federal grand juries. Uh, yeah. But generally, you convene a grand jury and the attorney general or a city official or a state official will go in and say, and give grand jury, the grand jury the instructions, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if Freeman has anything to do with that. I sure hope he doesn't. But, you know, for him to come out and publicly say that there's evidence that doesn't support a criminal charge while there's an ongoing investigation before the grand jury decides on whether or not to return an indictment is prejudicial. Yeah. And I hope that the whatever lawyers uh, are working on behalf of, of the family uh, or the ACLU or, or, or whatever attorneys are, are opposing uh you know what's happening with the with the police department right now will file um for a change of venue or a new grand jury or something this this just taints it i just don't understand it's like when right. bill barr came out and said i think we could find some crimes on the obama side like you just don't fucking do that you don't taint you just it's prejudicial your case is going to get thrown out and i hope that if they decide not to indict these four cops that that case there's a, a motion to dismiss that bullshit and have it redone because of this fucking these shenanigans i can't mm-hmm. i'm just I can't believe it. Anyway, I'm sorry. I had rant for a minute there in the beginning. <laughs> I, appreci- I appreciate it. I, I appreciate... I think, I, you know, while you were talking, I was just... Um, it, it's incredibly, like... It's awful when you juxtapose it with the pictures of the COVID-19 protests, the people that are actually holding guns and yelling in the faces of police. yeah. They're they're tear gassing kids in Minneapolis, but they're allowing these fucking, you know, y'all Qaeda to to carry to arm themselves and storm a capital. And they're that no, you know, no, no nonlethal bullets or, you know, whatever tear gas for them. They're fine. Right. Right. And it's like in the first case, it's people protesting something that the government, their government has chosen to enforce in the other case it's them protesting against something their government refuses to enforce which is you can't fucking murder people especially if you're a police officer and the fact that one of those is like that just the difference in how they're met by police is glaringly obviously 
racist in nature. There's no other way to like slice that. One has to do with racial justice and the other one has to do, you know, with, I mean, I guess I'm being generous saying economic justice, but that's bullshit. So yeah, it's just crazy. The images are like so incredibly heartbreaking. Yeah, these white fucks with their giant guns, most of which don't work because they don't know how to fucking field strip clean and reassemble them, are storming the the Capitol saying, uh, uh, my rights are being violated, um, you know, by having to wear a mask. And here is someone whose right to life is being violated via murder from a systematic oppression of racism born out of decades in the police department and uh and the the protesters are like we, you know we just want to live it's not about getting a pedicure or getting a haircut or being able to carry my ak into a subway because sandwiches scare me like it's mm-hmm. just the fucking most insane shit and it's just it, uh, i'm i'm i i need to process it before i can speak more Mm -hmm. eloquently on it because i'm just speak i'm just speechless Mm -hmm. all right well sorry about that rant but i had to get it out there i had to get you that news that's because it's breaking right now um and i i fear for people's lives this evening uh based on what this attorney did and the activation of the national guard and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, But aside from that, later today, um, we're all going to get together for our live stream Q&A. So please join us for that. It's at 4 p.m. Pacific for patrons. And then we'll we'll tweet the link out for the public at 5 Pacific time. Uh, It's about wearing your mask, showing us your masks. It's a masquerade theme. and Jordan, we're getting a lot of positive feedback and support for your reporting yesterday, your heartfelt reporting on on the update to COVID. So I just wanted to pass those notes along to you. We're getting a lot of, of really good feedback. So thanks for your reporting. Thanks. I appreciate you passing that along. And um, speaking of your reporting, you have some today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Yes, I've got a few stories today. Our first story is about... Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short. Um, So apparently this guy owns between $506,043 and $1.64 million of individual stock in a bunch of different companies that uh, not only have their hands, you know, in the administration's response to COVID-19, or I I should say, they're companies that are affected by the response. Um, what I said before sounds a lot more accusatory, which I think is kind of fair, but I'm trying to not go there just yet. But it's th- it's those kinds of companies. And then it's also companies that Trump has just kind of been known to, like, drop in and name drop, you know, at his press conferences and stuff. He'll just throw out something randomly. And it's like, oh, okay, so you definitely have stock in that. And normally that checks out. So there's... The same thing going on, uh, yeah, with this guy, Mark Short. He has stock in companies like 3M, Abbott Laboratories, uh, Gil- Gilead Sciences. I've heard that before. 
Procter and Gamble, Medtronic, Bristol Myers Squibb, and Johnson and Johnson. Uh, him and his wife have stock in that in in those companies and other companies include CVS, Thermo Fisher Scientific, Walmart. We hear them talk about Wal. Don't they? Trump totally just drops Walmart in his speech. Oh yeah, in, in, yeah, in his press conferences, one hundred percent. Oh, his press conferences are nothing but product placement for Abbott, Gilead. Right. Uh, Yes. Uh, Novartis, uh, Johnson Johnson, Procter & Gamble, uh, Honeywell, uh, Lockheed. Like, the, it's all it's all product placement for him. Yeah. Because his buddy's on stock. It's so fucking weird that that's, like, allowed. I, I don't know. I, I mean, because on one hand, you know, he's just going to take the opinion or the position that he just loves when the economy is doing well and when companies do well and I'm business minded and that's why you voted for me. So it's okay if I say these things, but really it's just incredibly uncomfortable for anyone that is even remotely skeptical of the fact that he's doing that and uh, like holds stake in those stock in those companies. Anyway, so um, that's something that Mark Short is a part of potentially. Apparently what happened uh, was he declared some of his stock holdings that, that could be the conflicts of interest after he joined Pence's office last year, but he didn't divest those holdings after something happened when he was denied a tax break that's granted to officials who must sell stock to comply with ethics laws. So that's what's that's what it sounds like uh, happened. But just uh, more more the same, I think, really. TLDR, more the yeah. same. Well... Well, all of this sort of self-dealing, I mean, you guys, you remember that toady little freak fucky named named Fuentes? He was like chief of staff of somebody in the White House. He he was trying to get the National Guard uh, rules for early retirement extended. Um, and so he he hung around the White House for six more months, even though his boss was, you know, left. Uh, and he was supposed to leave. And like he just sort of hung around waiting for his retirement to go by. And he was trying to make it so that he could get an early retirement from from the mm-hmm. Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, eventually that didn't happen. And then now pr- they're doing a probe because he had a $3 million mask deal with Navajo Hospitals. And all of his masks were ass. And he's never been in the mask business before. But he got a $3 million federal contract just days after registering his LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then, you know, but, and speaking of, uh, that he was Coast Guard, but, um, National Guard, I know that Trump recently, remember how we did the story that Trump was going to deactivate the National Guard the day before they would have started to get benefits? Mm, mm-hmm. He's, he's extending it now because of, because we all bitched. So good job on everybody bitching about that. <laughs> Yay, bitch. Yay, bitching. I love when that works out. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that's story one. Story two comes out in New York. Cuomo, he's, he said he's signing an executive order that's going to allow private businesses to deny entry to people that aren't wearing face masks. And um, this is good. He said, we made them mandatory in public settings, public transportation, etc. But when we're talking about reopening stores and places of business, we're giving the state owners the right to say, if you're not wearing a mask, you can't come in. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Obviously. It's just like such a no-brainer, you know? 
and good on him. Well, I thought that was already the law that any private business could refuse service to anybody for any reason. Uh, I thought that was the, the law. Yeah, that's true. But I guess he's just like, I've got your back. I've got your back. Yeah, they totally use that law to justify a bunch of really shitty things all the time. Denying people service. They always say. Uh, true. Yeah, they're like, I can do what I want. And now there's a thing that they definitely should be able to do uh, it when they want it. And yeah, Quinn was just supporting them. So that's great. On the flip side, you had mentioned this in the intro, there's now a bunch of stores that are antagonistically saying that no masks are allowed so if you're wearing a mask you can't come in it's just a troll it's it's a a troll that's like physically hurting people potentially basically you know what fine fuck your business yeah well listen to this quote this is so Liberty Tree Tavern is one of the places that they were talking about that did it and and the the owner said if we're only allowed to be at 25% capacity I want them to be the 25% of people that aren't pussies that aren't sheep being scared all the time isn't good for your health it suppresses your immune system so I've okay. I've heard I've heard that argument I've heard the second part of that argument I've not heard the first part. <laughs> Calling your customers pussies because they're following the advice of, like, most doctors in the country. Okay, that sounds like a smart business decision. I hope you're in a place where you can actively shut out a bunch of people, not only now, but forever. The future. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Is because, sure, maybe only 25% uh, of your customers are fucking morons. Uh, but y- y- you want to get more than that? 76% right. of Americans think it's a good idea to wear a mask. So you're going to stick, you're going to stay at 25%, even when you can be at 100% capacity. So good fucking luck, fucker. Totally. Yeah. It's just like, it's just not a good look. Even if I have someone, let's say that I was kind of on the fence about this issue or something, I would just look at that and just be like, ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> and just not go to your place anymore, ever. Yeah. Um, and it's not happening just there. It's happening. There's a Kentucky gas station that said no one's allowed inside um, their convenience store if they wear a mask. In L.A., a flooring store is encouraging hugs and handshakes and banning face coverings. And the owner of a campground in Wisconsin promised to treat clients with face masks as she would a robbery in progress. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So... Okay. Disgusting. Awful. Mm. So dumb. Um, And then the final story is coming out of France. France on Wednesday, they stopped authorizing hydroxychloroquine treatments for COVID-19 patients. Um, They were doing some work with it in the beginning. It was, there was some guy there that's based in Marseille, uh, Didier Roult. Who knows? This word I know is French, <laughs> so you you know I it's not a checker situation. Um, checkers, yes, checkers. But anyway, it was a guy. It was a guy there who he's a like infectious disease specialist, but he just promoted it as like you know this kind of miracle cure and stuff. And he kind of is known, it sounds from what I've read, as having conducted pretty like questionable sort of experiments 
um, that he said proved hydroxychloroquine as a successful treatment. So kind of just like, I don't know, the guy that started it doesn't have a super good good background, it would seem, or one of the guys that started it and propagated it, but they're they're like stepping back from it now. Wow. Well, uh, I'm sure that the uh, deplorables won't have any problem with France not backing hydroxychloroquine. They'll call it freedom hydroxychloroquine and bring it to the <laughs> United States anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Good joke. Good joke. Um, now, let's see. That's it, right? Those are our updates for today? Yep. Sorry, I got one eye on this Minneapolis story as it's unfolding. Uh, all right, great. Well, we'll be right back after this quick break. I've got uh, headlines from under the radar. We've got an interview uh, about some legal questions about what happened in, in the Pennsylvania legislature. And uh, then I'll be back with Jordan for the good news block. So stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ritual. It is so important nowadays to focus on nutrition, health, and keeping our immune system strong, which is why I want to share with you my new daily ritual. It's called Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's Essentials has all the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, especially me, because I do a lot of intermittent fasting and eat just paleo. But all of these vitamins that you get to fill in the gaps in their clean absorbable forms with ritual so there's no shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm than good just two easy to take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation i started taking ritual over a year ago uh, I, I you know i feel more energy i feel more clarity i love it it keeps me going mentally i feel good now knowing that i'm getting all the vitamins i need uh, i'm finally taking vitamins daily again and so Ritual Essential for Women is the ultimate multivitamin. It helps fill the gaps in your diet, like I said, from D3s to omega-3s. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach, which is, again, good for me. And it's good for anybody, so you don't have to make sure you eat a big meal with it. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fr fresh, so you don't have that uh, recurring fish taste. They use vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients. Uh, it's delivered directly to your door. A subscription is easy to start. It's easy to snooze. It's just a dollar a day to have all the nutrients your body needs. Delivered every month. No strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash dailybeans to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, time for some news that flew under the radar. Um, Governor Tim Waltz, as I said, has signed an executive order activating the Minnesota National Guard to help protect Minnesotans' safety and, and maintain peace in the wake of George Floyd's death, unquote. Uh, that is from the governor's office. Um, this executive order also declares a peacetime emergency. This is something that I left out of the story earlier, so I wanted to fill that in. Uh, and they're activating the State Emergency Operations Center. Um, also Thursday, Trump retweeted a video saying the only good Democrat is a dead one, a video by an account called Cowboys for Trump, in which the speaker begins by saying, the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. Uh, I'm doing this in John Wayne's voice, by the way. I don't do a very good John Wayne, so you'll just have to, you know, imagine it. Um the speaker, though, quickly qualifies that he's not speaking literally about a dead Democrat. At precisely midnight, the president felt this was kind of a this is the kind of message people needed to see. And he said, thank you, cowboys. See you in New Mexico. Uh, and he retweeted that video. The original tweeter said he was just kidding. 
but his other comments indicate he's not entirely discounting the idea of violence or dead Democrats. In the same remarks, Griffin said that a plan B after plan A of winning elections would be there would be some kind of uprising. Quote, if we have to get shoulder to shoulder and create posses and stand shoulder to shoulder with our great sheriffs, we'll fight you at the county lines, but we're not letting you have our guns. Uh, he was later asked by the Daily Beast whether protests against coronavirus-related restrictions might resort to violence, and he responded, I'll tell you what, partner, as far as I'm concerned, there's not an option that's not on the table. So, seems like he's cool with violence and dead Democrats, and the president retweeted it. Awesome. In the same interview, Griffin also suggested certain top Democrats might be executed for treason, citing Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. You get to pick your poison. You either go before a firing squad or you get the end of a rope, said Griffin. And the White House is refusing to release the summer economic outlook, breaking with norms and likely because he doesn't want you to know the grim truth about the health of the economy. And he definitely doesn't want to spook the markets, which dropped a little bit today, by the way. They've been going up, but they're down uh, less than 200 points in the, in the DJI. The White House is supposed to unveil federal budget proposals every February, and then typically they provide a mid-session review in July or August with updated projections on economic trends such as unemployment, inflation, and economic growth. That's normal. Budget experts say they were not aware of any previous White House opting against providing forecasts in the mid-session review uh, in any other year since at least the 1970s. Gosh, I wonder if it was Nixon. Two White House officials confirmed the decision has been made not to include the economic projections as part of the mid-session release. The officials, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss internal deliberations, said that the novel coronavirus is causing extreme volatility in the U.S. economy, making it difficult to model economic trends. All this as 2.1 million more people filed jobless claims last week, bringing the total to over 40 million filing for unemployment. Despite these numbers, the stock market, like I said, continues with gains, showing the wealthier doing just fine throughout all this, um, and corporations doing just fine. Uh, of course, like I said, it dipped a little bit today, 154 points. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, the, the stock market is not the economy. The economy is not the stock market. Thank you, Kai Rizdahl. Um, so, I, you know, I don't follow it too closely. I just know that it was down. Uh, and Trump had one of... Uh, had one of his tweets about voting by mail flagged as bullshit by Twitter. And today, the next day, Trump signed an executive order. He acted so fast to stop Twitter from fact-checking him. So Twitter flag a tweet, and he responds in a day. Deadly virus on its way? Nothing for 70 days. Um, sounds good. Perfect. Trump's attempt to curb what he claims is social media censorship is a political gambit and will not change the legal obligations of companies like Twitter and Facebook. A draft executive order seen by Reuters directs federal agencies to clarify the scope of a law known as Section 230, which protects Internet companies from liability for illegal content posted by users and allows them to re remove lawful but objectionable posts. Uh, legal experts said it was unclear if, if the Federal Communications Commission would embrace Trump's view of Section 230 laid out in the draft order. Even if it does, the agency's regulations will have no binding legal effect on judges who actually have say over the law. Quote, the draft is 95 percent political theater, rhetoric without legal foundation, without legal impact, says Daphne Keller. She's an expert uh, on Internet law at Stanford University. And finally, Democratic state legislators at Pennsylvania. Um, 
at the Pennsylvania State Legislature, accused their Republican counterparts Wednesday of keeping a GOP lawmaker's positive coronavirus diagnosis under wraps for days, almost a week, arguing the lack of transparency may have increased the risk of contracting the potentially deadly infection. Here to react uh, is a Facebook Live video of Brian Sims. Uh, He's an LGBTQ plus activist, state representative in Pennsylvania, civil rights lawyer, Democrat, and member of the House State Government Committee that has met multiple times, probably more than any other committee in any other state legislature in the past five weeks in close quarters. Let's listen to what he had to say. Um, I think this is on. Um, Hi, everybody. Representative Brian Sims here. I am in my office in the House of Representatives. I just walked back here from the House floor. Um, Today has been one of those kinds of days where I hope in the years uh, to come, the decades to come after I finish serving in elected office that I I hope I'm able to sort of put out of my memory. Um, I, I, I sort of don't exactly know where to begin. Um, This morning, apparently, House Democratic leadership learned that for as much as a week, perhaps longer, that House Republican leadership knew that at least one of their members had tested positive for COVID-19, that other members who had been exposed to him would eventually go on quarantine, but they didn't go on quarantine until they were done serving alongside us, especially those of us that serve on the state government committee. Um, so for those of you that, that know, the Pennsylvania House of Representatives under our gerrymandered Republican leadership has been perhaps the most active state legislature in the entire country. And during that time period, during the entire COVID-19 crisis, the state government committee has been the place where all of these fucked up bills to pretend that, that it is safe to go back to work have been going. And every single day of this crisis, the state government committee in Pennsylvania has met so that their members could line up one after one after one and explain that it was safe to go back to work. It was safe to go back to race car driving or dog grooming or getting your hair cut. Meanwhile, what we're learning is that during that time period, they were testing positive. They were notifying one another and they didn't notify us. Um, I just spent the better part of the last 11 weeks sitting across a room from people who would eventually test positive and decided not to tell us. They did do some kind of quarantine. They did do some kind of contact tracing. They, I guess, being Republican leadership. Russ Diamond, apparently, many of you know as the person that has led the charge to open up the legislature, screaming every single day in committee about how, how we were safe and how there wasn't a risk, has apparently been quarantining himself for weeks Of course, he didn't explain that to any of us when he was in committee talking with us or walking up and down the aisles or bumping into us or letting us hold the door open for him. Um, I kind of don't even know where to begin. Let me tell you a little bit about why this is so fucking dangerous. First of all, let's start with the Democratic chairman of my committee, Kevin Boyle. Kevin Boyle's got two young children. Kevin Boyle every single day comes up to this Capitol and then goes home to his wife and kids, his two young kids, and nobody decided to tell him that it was, it was okay for his kid to be exposed, but not for these members. I know one of the members put out a statement saying, I was looking out for my family. We were exposing our families. One of the members of state government has a wife who is immunocompromised. Let me tell you why it matters to me. Fucking A. Let me tell you why it matters to me. I wasn't planning on talking about this until after the election, but in January... I donated a kidney. I secretly donated a kidney to somebody in my city, somebody who lives blocks away from me who was dying of renal failure. 
so proud of having to do it, but it was not for public consumption. It was for my friends and for my family and for my staff. And every single day, every single day that our gerrymandered Republican leadership has been calling us up into this building so they could pass these ridiculous bills pretending that it was, that it was safe to be out there, they were covering up that it wasn't safe. You have no idea how the people around you are impacted. And that's why it's so important to notify people. So here's what needs to happen. Here's what I think needs to happen. First of all, Mike Terzai, the Speaker of the House, needs to resign. And any member of leadership that has known what was going on, any member of Republican leadership that knew that members were testing positive, that other members were being quarantined, and did not tell those of us who were exposed to those members, needs to be investigated by the Attorney General. And I think that there needs to be prosecutions. I want a full-blown investigation by the Secretary of Health. I need to know if it's safe for us to be back in this building. This building needs to be scrubbed top to bottom. Holy shit. I can't believe that this is happening to me at work today. I cannot believe that this is what we are going through. People always say the parties are the same or you know, it doesn't matter this party or that party. You know what the difference is? The difference is values and credibility. And every single day that I've showed up at this gerrymandered legislature, I knew that the Republican leadership that was out there was fake and it was false and it was looking out for themselves. But I never, ever, ever knew that the Republican leadership of this state would put so many of us at risk for partisanship to cover up a lie. And that lie is, is that we're all safe from COVID. That lie is that social distancing isn't important. One of these people, Russ Diamond, Russ Diamond walked around the House floor every single day without a mask on. Just a little bit ago, I was on the House floor, and at one point, only four Republican members had their masks on. Holy shit. It's not your business to put my life at risk. It's not your business to put the lives of the children of our members at risk, of the spouses of our members at risk. Right now, the Republican caucus needs to ensure that every single member in this building is tested and our staff, and it needs to be done at the cost of the Republican caucus. There are hundreds of people that have to show up every single day that Republican leadership decides that they want to show up here and do something bullshit like this. Their staffs have to show up. They are hardworking Pennsylvanians, and now they've been exposed to a global pandemic that you have covered up and lied about. Every single member of this building needs to be tested. Every single staff member in this building needs to be tested. It needs to be done immediately. It needs to be paid for by the Republican caucus. This building needs to be shut down until there are full health and legal investigations. Mike Terzai, you need to resign. Shame on you. For those of you that don't know, Mike Terzai is the Republican Speaker of the House. One of the people that has joined in going after the Secretary of Health, one of the most qualified people in this country, to deal with COVID-19, and yet every single day you have perpetuated the lie that it was safe for Pennsylvanians to be outside, that it was safe for Pennsylvanians to interact with each other. Every single day you have dragged us to this legislature so that you could go industry by industry by industry and explain how it was safe. Even using the House as an example, I sat in state government a week ago with one of these members while it was explained to us that the room we were in was the perfect example of how safe it could be. I didn't donate my kidney to save somebody's life so that I could die at the hands of Republicans who are being callous liars. My colleagues' children, my colleagues' families, those are so much more important than any lie. Those are so much more important than any cover-up. And yet here we are right now. 
How dare you? How dare you put our lives at risk? How dare you put our families at risk and pretend that it was about looking out for your own? We know you're looking out for your own. This is what gerrymandered leadership in Pennsylvania looks like. So Mr. Speaker, all eyes on you. Are you gonna to continue to lie about your cover-up? Are you gonna to continue to put lives at risk? Are you gonna to continue to think that advancing the, 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 the interests of the, the big banks and the big business whose pocket you're in is more important than saving lives? Well, you don't get my fucking life. My life belongs to me, it does not belong to you. You had no business, no business, putting me and my friends and my colleagues at risk in the way that you have. You're a scoundrel if there ever was one, Mike Terzai. You have no business in government. You have no business in, in the private sector. I believe that you should be investigated. I believe that you should be prosecuted. And I believe that you should be in jail. How dare you? So I'll continue to report back. I'll continue to, to not mince my words. I'm a Democratic member of the Pennsylvania House who just found out that my Republican leadership in a cover-up to make sure that we didn't know that COVID-19 had breached the House of Representatives, was lying to its members and covering up from its members about that. The only way we found out is because a reporter asked one of our members and our members got it out of their leadership. You belong in jail. Shame on you. And thank you to everybody that is asking how we're doing and what's going on. The answer is we don't know. The answer is a whole bunch of my colleagues are on the phone right now with their loved ones saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I might have done to you and not known that I did it. And it was Mike Terzai that did it. It was Republican leadership that did it. It was Russ Diamond that did it every single day, slamming a secretary of health for saying that it was risky for us to be together every single day, walking around this house without a mask. And where are you right now? You're in quarantine because you might be spreading a deadly disease to all of us and our families. This is shameful. This is disgusting. This is the height of Republican hypocrisy. This is what happens when Republicans gerrymander a state. This is what happens when Republicans take control. All right, I'm just going to leave you with that. We'll be right back after this break. We're going to talk to a lawyer about some legal stuff. Stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG. I want to tell you about the most useful app on my phone right now. Sometimes when you're busy, it's hard to find the time to sit down to cram a book in uh, or work on personal development. Uh, but now there is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. I love this thing. It's called Blinkist. It's really unique. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses it down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people, business leaders, uh, they are well-known for reading tons of books. And, and Blinkist has made it uh, made for busy people like you who really want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or your lunch break or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and has a massive growing library from self-help, business, health, history books. It uh, has the latest titles from bestsellers lists as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time. Uh, I like it, but here's how I use it, because in less than 15 minutes, uh, when I'm on the treadmill, I'll preview books that I might want to read later. I'll get all the key points, and I'll be like, I need to read that whole book. Uh, just recently, I listened to Crime in Progress, Inside the Steel Dossier by Glenn Simpson and Peter Fritsch. I know you know it. And it... It led me to read the entire book. I highly recommend you check them out. Uh, with Blinkist, you get the you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want. 
all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer, offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com beans to try it free for seven days. And you'll also save 25% on your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, dot com slash beans to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com beans. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us uh, today. I have with me real life lawyer, real life friend of mine as well, and uh, co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, one of the greatest podcasts. You need to get on it if you're not listening. Andrew Torres. Andrew, thanks for joining me today. Oh, AG, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, coming in here because there's a couple of legal questions I have. Um, the first one is with regards to Democrats in Pennsylvania's House of Representatives on Thursday accusing Republicans <laughs> of keeping a lawmaker's positive coronavirus test. And now perhaps we're just hearing minutes ago another uh, Republican testing positive, uh, keeping those a secret to avoid political embarrassment, even at the risk of exposing their Democratic colleagues. In the last segment, just so you know, I played uh, Sims rant that he recorded and, and put on Facebook Live. I'm not sure if you've seen that or not yet, but uh, I, I have. That's a classic. I'm glad you played it. <laughs> it's, uh, I had to play the entire thing. Like, it's just so he's so mad and I can't blame him. Now, legally, if it is found uh, and I, I'm not familiar with Pennsylvania state laws and I don't think there's federal laws governing this, but if it is found that someone infected knew they were infected but didn't protect themselves by wearing a mask or disclose to Democrats that on the committee that they were positive. Is that illegal? So the, the answer is not no, right? Which is, <laughs> which is what I, which is what I think is kind of surprising, right? And a lot of, a lot of these cases that, that are out there um, go back to, you know, cases from the 1980s. A lot of these are, are apocryphal, uh, but, but there were, genuine cases of uh, individuals with highly contagious diseases deliberately infecting other people, like principally, and again, a lot of the concern over this was overblown, uh, but but principally like states enacted measures in response to um, people with HIV uh, spitting on people, right? And, or otherwise, um, you know, deliberately uh, setting out to infect, right? Engaging in, I don't know that the, I don't know it was ever proven that anybody, you know, ever, um, uh, you know, sort of typhoid married, you know, went out and and had unprotected sex for purposes of spreading AIDS. That was like, that like you and I grew up in that time period. Like, you know, that was always a great fear on the right. Um, but but as a result of that, like states passed laws that said you can't deliberately infect somebody with an infectious disease. Now, the key aspect for that from a prosecutorial standpoint is, you know, what you call a scienter requirement. Like, did you really intend, did you deliberately do so, right? Like the, the hypothetical of, you know, I, uh, I, I have a contagious disease and, you know, I've, I've written a manifesto about how I'm going to spread it to you. Okay. Like you can prove scienter, you can prove intent in that case. Um, you know that this Pennsylvania lawmaker is is not going to. I mean, it would be incredibly difficult to prove that 
Um, he deliberately infected people. But but again, like the fact that the answer to the question isn't a straight, simple, straightforward, no, it's all part of the job, like I think illustrates the world we live in. Yeah, I'm wondering if this uh, Republican congressman will use the speech and debate clause to, <laughs> but I think that's for the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I was going to say, like, I don't know if they have a, a speech and debate clause that protects uh, in the Pennsylvania state legislature. Um, I also don't know that like, you know, uh, transmitting viruses counts as speech. Um, that, that, that would kind of put, push the speech act theory, uh, a bit far, but you know, who, who knows? I've, I, I, I've certainly seen, I guess, worse legal arguments, although most of those come from Larry Clayman. So uh, your honor, who's to say that the virus wasn't transmitted when he was speaking? Um, Anyway, yeah, but it has to, but it, but but to to qualify for the speech and debate clause, like it has to be in the furtherance of your official duties. So you know, it would you can make that point, but yeah. but um, I'm just pretending to be Sidney Powell. That's all I'm doing. No, I, <laughs> oh man, I wouldn't want to live inside that head. No, I know, right? How terrifying! Uh, but I guess if you have no awareness, it's probably fun. Um, so, yeah, and the concern here, too, and I've only heard this from one or two people, um, the majority of people say this is wrong, whether it's illegal, whether it runs afoul of the law or rises to the level of criminal, uh, that it is wrong. Uh, but there is concern about a stigma associated with what some have called disclosing your status because of what happened with HIV AIDS in the 80s. However, I think that that's not an apples to apples argument because here we're talking about something that is spread by being in the same room with someone. Um, so I'm not quite sure, you know, I, my, my whole intent here by saying that this is wrong is definitely not to stigmatize people who are testing positive. It's to, it's to sort of stigmatize people who cavalierly don't care about the welfare of the people around them and their families. Right. So let's break down both, both parts of that. First, the problem, I mean, as and and I, I share that concern with you and certainly like, um, you know, folks with disabilities, folks with, you know, permanent uh, disabilities as a result of, you know, long term uh, illnesses. Right. That's a real concern. That's being hijacked by by you know the the like fringe right in this in these sorts of cases the 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 harm that we just talked about in the last question is not behaving responsibly when you have hiv the harm was the republican party demonizing hiv for 40 years as a gay disease right like that that was like the 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 solution to that is don't stigmatize people who have a virus, not uh, don't behave responsibly when you have a positive test. So I, it it that that's it that's a little bit infuriating. Right, I I kind of think it was it was the Republicans who tied HIV to gayness, and therefore HIV meant gay, and it was a stigma against being gay. Um, and so and of course, you know, and I I am I, do, I don't I didn't live through, you know, I'm not part of the LGBTQ community. I didn't live through this in the 80s. Um, I mean, I I lived through it, but I didn't go through it, you know. Yeah. Um, 
but me, me too. I mean, we're we're on the outside looking in. So, so I mean, I, I I understand where where folks might be concerned, and you know that you don't want to disclose that you have COVID, but I think it's different when it can be transmitted to someone by being in the same room, uh, as opposed to you know. Uh, the way that HIV is is contracted, but I mean, again, I I I I I want to be wary of that of of causing a stigma. Um, so I I I agree with you with, but 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 again, I think that you can easily break down, you know, both components of that, right? Like we can work hard, like. Uh, you know, if if we invented a new Trump style slur word for people with COVID, like that would be a super bad thing to do. Like, let's not, you know, let's not stigmatize folks. But I don't think there's anything wrong with saying behave responsibly. And I will point out, right, the Pennsylvania legislature um, two months earlier, right, a- a- ahead of the schedule of uh, the the U.S. House of Representatives, which just passed uh, H.R. Uh, 965 you know, last week allowing for remote voting in the House of Representatives. Um, In March, the Pennsylvania legislature passed uh, a temporary amendment to the rules allowing uh, members of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives to vote remotely, right? So in other words, like this is not, let's not fall prey to the Alex Jones side, you know, which says like, oh, well, you know, uh, if if you're a skeptic, like Republicans are skeptics of COVID and like, like this is not a partisan issue, right? Like the legislature got together and said, OK, on a bipartisan basis, this is dangerous. Let's practice appropriate social distancing. You know what works super well via phone? Um, taking votes. So let's make sure we do that. Um, and and then they they hid. But but, you know, obviously, like legislators still have other meetings and convene and yeah, like, so then they hid material information from the opposing party. And that's like, I, I don't, I share all of your concerns on standing up for individual. Like, I I think that it would be hijacked to not say like, that's obviously a like monstrous behavior. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and and again, those aren't my concerns. I'm just bringing in concerns from folks that, that I've heard from. Um, I f- wish this was criminal personally, but uh, how, what, because uh, I know Sims has called for uh, a full investigation, uh, not just, uh, you know, a house investigation, but a criminal one as, as well, an investigation by the, the uh, health inspector. Uh, so I just don't know legally what could be done about this. And it sounds like Criminally speaking, it would be very hard to prove that there was willful intent to infect Democrats. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, but uh, I think if you want sort of a more fruitful avenue, I don't know off the top of my head what the uh, Pennsylvania state ethics rules are. Mm-hmm. Um, but but certainly, like you have in in general as a legislator, you have higher ethics duties to your colleagues than just like don't commit crimes against them. You know, that's also <laughs> part of your ethics duties. But like, uh, you know, it it to to conceal materially relevant information regarding the health and safety of your colleagues. Um, I, I'm not. I could see that violating uh, ethics rules rather easily. Yeah. 
Yeah, unfortunately, those just don't have a lot of teeth, especially in a Republican-run legislature. Yeah, uh, but but look, like I mean, and Pennsylvania has been right for over the last twenty years. They've they've had I think it's thirteen years of Republican control from top to bottom, right? Both houses of the state legislature and the Republican uh, governor. So you know, Pennsylvania is a swing state at the presidential level. It's a it's a reddish state. Uh, at the at the state level, um, but uh, but but those margins in the the, the Pennsylvania House and Senate uh, are narrowing. So you know it's um, it, it. I'm always playing the optimist here, but it's possible it will make a difference. You know. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I know <laughs> I know that there's a lot of calls, and this is getting a lot of national attention. So uh, I don't think it'll just go away. I don't think you want if if I were a state Republican and, you know, look, that's that's slightly easier for me to envision than like living in Sidney Powell's head. Like this is, you know, uh, anonymous member of the Pennsylvania legislature that happens to have an R after my name. Like, I don't think I want my brand to be associated with. Yeah, we're the party that consistently said simultaneously mind you that covid is no big deal slash a hoax slash violates my freedom and also was created as a bioweapon in a chinese viral lab in wuhan a virus lab in wuhan um i don't know how you square those two things but like being being the party of eh, a global pandemic what you're going to do about it is it's not not typically great for electoral results no. And and honestly, those are the stigmas I think we should worry about is associating it with China uh, and, and how that could impact Asian Americans. Um, all right. And on to the next issue. And I haven't <laughs> been able to find any stories about this on the interwebs, but I heard it with my ears on CNN. A probe has found there is no evidence that Steve Linick leaked details of his internal Pompeo investigations at the State Department. Now, as we know, Linick was the inspector general in the State Department, was recently fired by Trump at the behest of Pompeo. Uh, and Dem lawmakers asked for documents related to the ouster of Linick. And, of course, the State Department and the White House missed that deadline. So now what? In the long history of asking the White House and agencies, Trump agencies, for documents, them refusing to hand them over, uh, what what's next in the circus shit show of of the is it a subpoena and then they refuse and then a threat of contempt and then bar won't hold contempt and then you go to court like w- w- are we just in for like it's almost sort of like a ah fuck it let's just do the next thing <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> so all the way up into ah fuck it like um, I, I I think I think you're right right like look and and it's exasperating and you could you can see how right various democratic lawmakers have sort of given up um uh you know at various points in time because again it is literally unprecedented right like the 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 reason that you know, we we have uh, the Nixon tapes uh, as an article of faith in, you know, political corruption history is that ultimately, like when the Supreme Court directed uh, Richard Nixon to turn over, like, he, you know, he, he did so. Right. Like this is the, the idea that you have uh, valid subpoenas being issued by Congress uh, that courts say 
these are valid that that Trump will just say, oh, yeah, right. But like, it's not like we're going to give you those documents um, is is unprecedented. Right. Like we have never had uh, an administration, um, you know, push up uh, the 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 push against the limits of of um of of existing power before right like because at the end of the day like all of this is words right like i mean you know nobody is nobody is showing up with a to enforce a subpoena at gunpoint right um but but the words used to matter right and it even mattered to you know our the 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 like rogues gallery of the worst the most corrupt presidents in history um we're well below that right so um so what's going to happen is uh that uh, again um, it, down either avenue, right? Like if there's either a congressional subpoena uh, or a court-issued subpoena, um, the the State Department will ignore those requests, and we need to make sure that in 20, that we vote properly in 2020, uh, and that in 2021 that we we look back and say, okay, look, like the system we put in place, which was a system based on public shaming, that's not enough. Right. Hmm. It, it is no longer sufficient. Right. And because, again, remember, Inspector General Act of, of 18 of, of 1978. Right. That was passed after Richard Nixon. And nevertheless, like vest the president with the power uh, to fire an inspector general as a political imp- appointee. Um, and the only requirement is, you know, you have to send a letter to Congress that that says you're doing it, you know, 30 days out and says why. Um, and and. For 30 years, right? That worked, right? Like that was sufficient, and we and we saw that, right? Like it doesn't work again, anymore, but right? But like, but the story that Fox News is trying to weaponize, right? Like the Obama's firing of Gerald Walpin in 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 2009 um, proves the opposite, right? Like because uh, it, it was absolutely like a, you look back on it and. You know, however much like nonsense allegations were ramped up, like it was inappropriate for Barack Obama to to first uh, suspend Gerald Walpin, who was then the uh, inspector general for the Corporation on National and Community Service. He was investigating AmeriCorps. He was investigating an Obama political ally. Uh, and Obama uh, basically said, um, first, you're suspended without pay. I'm transmitting the letter to the Senate that says. I've lost confidence in you, and then I'm going to fire you in 30 days. And, like, the blowback on that was extreme from both parties, right? And Obama never did that again, right? He did that in 2009. Uh, Claire McCaskill very famously, like, sort of led the trial. She was a huge Obama ally uh, at the time, and she said, look, this is totally inappropriate. Uh, Chuck Grassley on the Republican side said this is totally inappropriate. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was bad for Walpin, Right. Um, but 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 in a way like that sort of proved that the system worked. Right. It was like, hey, you had to do this. You had to do this in the public. And um, and we've shamed you and members of your own party have shamed you. Um, and and now, like, there is no shaming. Right. <laughs> you know, you you cannot shame Donald Trump. There's an analogy of the like, you know, in poker, you can't bluff a calling station. Right. Like I, it, uh, it, you can't shame. Donald Trump is utterly without shame. So. Uh, we need to craft new laws that don't rely on people having to be accountable in public. Yeah. Well, I I 
assuming that the documents that the State Department uh, and the White House were to turn over probably don't exist anymore anyway. But here's what here's my hope. Here's my little bit of optimism as a final note is that, you know, if we if we vote like we're supposed to and we elect Joe Biden in November and then everybody that we get the new, uh, you know, uh, State Department um uh, sex, sex, Secretary of State in there. All of a sudden, I think all of these uh, like career employees in the State Department are going to be like, "Hey, uh, there was a lot of document destruction. Uh, here's this." I think there will be a tidal wave of whistleblowers who are no longer afraid to come forward uh, under a new administration, and it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I, I share your optimism in that. That's it's a really, really good point. I mean, w- one of the things that. Is it, it's very difficult to make into a campaign issue, but it's absolutely cri- critical. Is that like the the Republican Party has campaigned for a year? I mean, you've, you've talked about this, right? Has campaigned for decades on government can't you know government can't solve the problem. Government is the problem, and then to prove that, when they get control of the levers of power, they break them. Right. And then say, see, we we told you government couldn't fix things. Um, That's a hard thing to push back against. Right. And and our next president, hopefully Joe Biden, um, has so much like behind the scenes work to do to repair the infrastructure of government in executive agencies. Um, But it it, it looked like it's it's terrifying. Right. Like to to go back to like the the Linux documents. Right. That, you know, um, one of the issues is um, the, the the supposition, right, that, again, uh, linked to statements from Linux himself, that there were, uh, you know, that the climate at state was one of uh, political retaliation against Obama holdovers and traitors and, you know, folks who were not loyal to the president. Um that's an incredibly plausible story to believe because that's the way this president operates. You and I have talked about, you have talked about receiving as part of the transition, you know, an email from Jared Kushner that says, you know, identify all of the, you know, folks who support liberal causes in there. The executive order that Donald Trump signed today retaliating against Twitter and social media agencies directs the attorney general to begin an investigation uh, and directs heads of every single executive agency and department to prepare a list of the money they spend on social media, what those platforms are, and how loyal those platforms have been to the president. I am not exaggerating. Like, that's what this president does. And so, yeah, like, you're, you're going to find... A ton, and you can't delete all of that, and you certainly can't delete all of it by January 2021. So uh, that's a super long-winded way of saying I, I agree with you 100%. The footprints are out there, and and the question is, you know, can we stop them in time? Yeah, got to stop them. Find the footprints. Find all the destroyed evidence. Find that they tried to destroy the evidence, and and just listen to all the whistleblowers. This I think there's going to be a tidal wave, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, everybody, check out the Opening Arguments podcast. Thank you again, real life friend and real life lawyer Andrew Torres. Thank you. We'll be right back after this break with the good news block and quarantine confessions. So stay with us. Hey friends, it's AG. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you've heard me talk about my Helix mattress and how amazing it is. You've heard Jordan talk about hers. You've heard Mandy talk about hers. 
Uh, Joelle's talked about it. Joelle and Mandy have the same mattress. And uh, it's just seriously the best mattress ever. But now they've gone beyond the bedroom. They started making sofas. They just launched a new company called Allform, and they're making premium, customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door. What makes Allform so cool is they make it easy to customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch proof, good for the podcats and pod dogs. You can pick the color, the color of the legs, the color of the fabric, the size of the sofa, and the shape to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and buy more seats later on if you want your all-form sofa to grow and change when you move. All-form sofas are also delivered directly to your home with fast, free shipping. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa for, you know, custom sofa, it would take weeks, months to make, and they had to ship it. They had a freight company call you and give you an eight-hour window, uh, and then you would need somebody to assemble it in your home. But all-form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail. You can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. Um, I customized an all-form three-seater leather uh, sofa with beautiful whiskey colored leather and a chaise lounge with a walnut leg finish to match my cabinets Uh, it's gorgeous modern roomy so comfortable Uh, i can't wait to have people over to sit on it (laughs) uh if getting a sofa without trying trying it in the store sounds risky don't worry you get 100 days to try it out uh, that's more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free, give you a full refund, no questions asked, and they have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans, and Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, it's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news, is on the way. And joining me today for the good news is the wonderful, amazing, incredible, recently birthdayed Jordan Coburn. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. What a throwback. <laughs> it's been 20 <laughs> days. To a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, awesome. So you have uh, the good news for us. What can you bring us today? Because we need it. Definitely. Uh, first up from Jesse. Jesse says, Hello, Daily Beans crew. I have some good news to share. Before all this COVID shit started to hit the fan, I was working two different part time jobs. I'm living in Seattle and the cost of living is high, so I needed both of them to make the rent with any degree of security. I've been working toward finding a full time job that could provide benefits and offer me a little security without forcing me to work every day. In November and December last year, I had a stretch of 25 days in a row where I had to work at least one of my jobs with no days off in between. It was murder on my mental health and likely was a key contributing factor to a recent breakup. One of my jobs was at a theater in the Seattle Center, and the other is for a Seattle-based running shoe company called Brooks. Great shoes. Um, I love Brooks. Yeah. Uh, When Governor Inslee announced bans on large gatherings, I lost my theater gig and suddenly my finances became a very stressful concept. Some days it felt like my heart was pumping cortisol rather than blood. I had managed to scrape together about a two-month buffer before things would get really tough, but two months is not a long time. Fortunately, Brooks retained all of their regular employees, so far as I know currently, so I still had some income, albeit too little to stretch by itself here in Seattle. Brooks shifted me and several of my coworkers onto the customer service lines, so we'd still have something to do, and it has been a good way to stay on a schedule as well as remain connected to the outside world. But it's still a temp role, and once Seattle reopens, I was stressing about how I was going to pay the rent. 
Fast forward to this week, on Tuesday, I was offered a full-time role at Brooks Effective Monday. From day one, when I started at Brooks, I already felt immensely valued, even as a lowly part-time retail employee, and that is more true now than ever. For the first time in my adult life, I will be making enough money to do more than just scrape by. I recognize this is a fucked up, difficult time for everyone right now, and I'd be lying if I didn't admit to feeling some imposter syndrome and survivor's guilt. Why should I get this opportunity while so many millions of others are struggling so badly? I don't take this for granted, and I'm looking forward to paying it forward. As a start, I am finally able to become a patron of a few of the podcasts and have meant that have meant a lot to me over the past several months to years, y'all included. I signed up on Patreon today, and I'm excited I can finally support you ladies in what small way I can. Keep up the excellent work, and thanks for all you contribute to the political dialogue. Jesse. P.S. Sorry for the novel length, but what can I say? I'm a verbose dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude (laughs) thank you jesse oh congratulations that's got to be a huge weight lifted off your shoulders i'm so happy for you yes me too many congratulations that's the best job searching is especially when you're in like a bad situation it's so stressful and like the second that that stress is lifted is huge so hell yeah Congrats. And thank you. Um, Next up from Lana. Lana says, I up my Patreon amount to MSW, so maybe others can listen without guilt. I keep saying we are all in this together, so I'm practicing what I value. Love you all and stay well. Yay. Thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you so much, Lana, for that. We appreciate that so much. And yeah, we're we're trying to get this whole like Adopt-A-Patron program set up. So if maybe you're in a position to double your pledge or something, there's a lot of folks that want to be patrons that aren't able to be patrons. And if you want to do that, we're trying to create an easy way for that to be a thing that happens. And we'll have that up and going and those details out soon enough. So thank you to everybody that is interested in helping other people get to be a patron. That's really cool of you. That is incredibly awesome. Uh, Next up from Anonymous. Anonymous says, as of May 27th, New Zealand no longer has any COVID-19 patients in the hospital. The last one recovered, and we have 21 remaining active cases in the country. New Zealand killing it again. I know. I know. Jealous. Um, I love their prime minister. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I'm I'm like, God, can I just live there? Yeah. Probably they wouldn't have me. Seriously. No. Eh. Who knows? One day. Next up from Mo. Mo says, good news. A sexist judge in New Jersey has been removed from the bench. The guy who told the assaulted woman she should essentially cross her legs. Oh, well, huh? Cool. Is that why? There's a link um, here. I guess I could read that. I'll read that later and see myself. But I wonder I wonder if it was because of that or if it was because of, like, some other conduct or something. But either way, good riddance. And yeah, finally from Dave from OB, it's great to be in California where the governor thinks about what's good for the health and safety of the people, not his poll numbers. Yes, it is. We are very lucky here in California yep. in a lot of ways, and Newsom is currently one of them. And that's all of our good news. Thank you, everybody, for submitting those to us. Uh, Head to our Twitter. Look at our pinned tweet. That's where you can find the link to submit your good news and quarantine confessions to us. And we'd love to have them, so keep sending them. And that's the end of good news. Are you guys ready for quarantine confessions? Yes, I am ready. 
I'm ready for them. My favorite part. Yay. Uh, me too. First up from Danny. Danny says, I have been quarantining alone since April. And my birthday was this week, so I decided to bake an entire cake all for myself. I will be having delicious cake for breakfast for an entire week because there are no rules in quarantine. It was funfetti with an absurd amount of sprinkles on top because I deserve it. Yes. Danny, are you single? (laughs) Funfetti cakes? Funfetti cakes? Taurus? Come on. Absolute best fucking funfetti is the shit i love funfetti so hard oh my god so good so good love it thank you danny uh next up from jay jay says in response to the confession about using the daily beans as a fake phone call my setup at home involves my meetings being taken on my cell phone it is just easier that way but i also listen to my podcast via my phone and headset my family has gotten to the point that if they see my headphones on they assume i'm taking a very important call and i need to be left alone so that i can work Thank the maker for sound-canceling headphones. In truth, I'm just listening to you all and just trying to stay sane while being locked in this small place with too many people around. Stay safe and wash your damn hands, you degenerates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. So every once in a while, you gotta, you could just have to say something like, yeah, well, I'll, yeah, no, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Jim. Jim, can we make a, a note for an action item? If you could throw in, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amazing yeah okay so is that actionable what's the what's the due date on that (laughs) okay okay great and then just back to being quiet Uh, perfect love it we got um Mm. okay we got a few more hell yes we've been getting such good ones okay next up from anonymous anonymous says my cat and i used to be totally in tune when i get high he would demand catnip under quarantine however he can't keep up with me so sometimes instead of begging for nip he just looks at me with disappointment on his face (laughs) (laughs) he's disappointed in you not again i hate that so much yeah you have a dare a dare cat i hate that when you're (laughs) yeah or you're yeah dare cat yeah exactly uh they just judge you because you're buzzed on whatever you're buzzed on just give you the look like i had so much hope for you (laughs) it's so funny little does a cat know they're the best thing to have in your house when you're high a freaking little fuzzy Mm. thing that walks around come on yeah mind-blowing pretty great yeah uh next up from barbie barbie says this is an add-on to the cookie biscotti butter confession my confession is that when I hit Trader Joe's, it is usually specifically for cookie butter, in which I get about eight jars at a time. My son is a fanatic. He melts it and pours it over ice cream. Oh, my God. However, here are several other uses. If you make muffins, drop a small spoonful on the top. Gingerbread is amazing, but really it works on all, including zucchini muffins. Uh, put it on a spoonful of hot oatmeal. Makes that slimy crap tolerable. Even dare I say good. <laughs> A glob in your smoothies, really quite delightful. And this uh, big spoonful in coffee, really, it is amazing. Get your cookie butter on. Hell yes. Delicious. Okay, now I got to try coffee oh. with cookie butter in it. Oh, my God. Mm. Thank you, Barbie. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite confession yet. All about cookie butter. Mm, yes, <laughs> confession with recipes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> This next name, I have no idea how to pronounce, and I would like to phone a friend, um, A.G. Sure. It's spelled, it's spelled E-U-A-N. Ewan. Ewan? We're going with mm-hmm. that. Our apologies if that's wrong. Please correct us. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Tell me if I'm not right. Yes. I think I've been listening to your podcast too much because a couple of nights ago, I dreamt I was part of the prosecution team at Donald Trump's trial. I think he was being tried. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think he was being tried for something involving Michael Flynn. He was called to the stand, but instead just flopped on a mattress in the middle of the court and refused to move. We had a plan, though. We sprayed his head with what we said was anti-coronavirus juice, but it was actually just water so we could mess his hair up. The plan worked, and Trump became furious because everybody could see his natural hair was a massive faux hawk. In response, he pulled down his trousers and wandered about the court haranguing people. Oh, my God. This is amazing. The judge... This sounds like a Saturday Night Live sketch to me. Yes. The judge, Jackson, then declared a mistrial. I remember thinking, typical... <laughs> He's wormed his way out of it again. <laughs> oh, my God. While this is ridiculous, I don't think it's entirely outside the range of Trump's behavior. That's so detailed. No, no, it's not. And so fucking funny. I, I really like... I really like the uh, the trickery of convincing him that you were spraying him with anti-coronavirus, uh, like liquid hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, and uh, it's just water, so you can see his hair. Yeah. Oh my god. It sounds like it, okay. This reminds me of and Jordan. You probably aren't going to get this, but probably most of the people listening are. It, somebody following around Trump, like, and their whole goal in life is to get his hair wet. And it reminds me of Splash with Eugene Levy, where his whole goal was to get the mermaid wet, so so she would turn into a mermaid in public, and everyone would see that he's a scientific genius. And so he's got all these different schemes and ways of following her around the city with like water <laughs> to somehow like running with buckets after her yeah. or uh he's got like a, a a tank on his back under his coat he looks like a hunchback and he's kid it's got a, attached to a hose and he's at some sort of party with the president it's just ridiculous like bits. that but going after trump's hair mm-hmm. i think eugene levy should be revived to do that yes. uh, sketch that's so funny well as always, y'all have delivered with the confessions and the good news. Thank you so much. Please keep sending those in. Um, and AG, what are the details of when the Quarantine Confessions podcast is coming out? Yes, you're. Uh, we have been overwhelmed with responses to Quarantine Confessions, so we are. It's spinning off into its own show, much like. How the Colbert Report was once a segment on The Daily Show, except many millions fewer listeners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm not going to get into the details, but we have fewer. And so it's got its own show now. It's going to be spun off into its own thing. The debut is going to be June 6th, uh, Saturday. Uh, patrons are going to get it early as soon as we record it i don't know when we're going to record it uh it's going to be next week sometime um monday through thursday because i know that you know we want we want fridays and saturdays off uh so um a little behind the curtains uh for you (laughs) but that is what is going to be happening so look for it june the 6th on saturday quarantine confessions in its own feed so you'll have to search for it separately rate it subscribe to it love it follow it uh, if you want to become a, a patron of it, you just become a patron of the Daily Beans and Muller She Wrote and you're automatically, if you're already a patron, you're going to get these already in your premium feed and you'll get them early. Yay. You don't have to do anything. Amazing. I can't wait. 
All right. Well, that's it then. That's the good news and the confessions. Thank you so much for everybody uh, submitting those. <laughs> They're just so great. Uh, and now I need to go and get cookie butter. Do you have any final thoughts, Jordan? <laughs> um, no, I don't. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody, um, especially, to, you know, with all this news that's unfolding, uh, take this to heart uh, tonight. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>